So now we have uh, have to find our, our place in the, in the community, and and we are trying to be stronger for the community here, not for the tourists or, or, or but to be a part of this community that the museum is in and which own this museum. Welcome to Museums in Strange Places. I'm your host, Hannah Heffman, and this is a podcast for people who love museums, stories, culture, and exploring the world. I recently took a bus down to Hapnafjörður, the same town near Reykjavik that I visited in the last episode of the podcast. I went to talk to Björn Pietersen, the director of the Museum of Hapnafjörður. During the winter, this history museum is only open on the weekends, but Björn was kind enough to open the main building up for my visit, and just in time too, because as soon as I had turned off the main street to head for the museum, it went from sunshine to a fierce hailstorm in a matter of seconds. That's life in Iceland for you. The museum and its collection are actually spread out across seven historic buildings in the old downtown harbor area of Hapnefjörður. The main part of the museum is housed in Pakhuset, a large historic wood building formerly used as a warehouse. That's the one I got to visit on this trip. Then there are a few historic homes. Sivetsen's house is the oldest house in Hapnefjörður. It's an upper-class home built in the beginning of the 1800s by a successful fishing merchant. The Bookless Bungalow was built in 1918 by two Scottish brothers who owned many fishing enterprises in town. On the other side of the class spectrum, Sigbær, a home built in 1902, is a great example of how a laborer or seaman in the early 20th century in Hapnefjörður would have lived. Bekbuth, booth means shop, is a tiny shop that was originally built on the main street in 1906. It was moved next to the main museum building in the modern era, and now houses a small museum of commerce. Last and largest is the Good Templars Hall. When it was built in 1886, the town population was only 400, and most of them could fit in the hall, which was considered quite large for the time. Today it houses an exhibit on sports and community in the town. I asked Björn to give me a tour of the highlights in Pakhuset and share some Hapnefjörður history before we sat down to chat about the running of the museum. One of my favorite things about Pakhuset was how creaky all the old wood floors and stairs were, so I've left as many of those sounds in the recording as possible so that you can enjoy them too. My name is Pietersson, and we are at uh, the Pakhus. It's the main building in, in Hapnefjörður Museum. Uh, Hapnafir Museum was, uh, I believe it's from 1953, uh, when it first opened. We have uh, six houses, 
uh, nine exhibitions, but this is the main building, and here we have three exhibitions in this house. Okay, so would you show me around this building and kind of point out a few highlights? Yeah, I will do. I'll follow you with the mic here. <laughs> in this hall, which we are in now, when you, when you come first at the museum, here we uh, put up some smaller exhibitions that stays for one year. There's some theme, some traveling exhibitions. And now we have uh, this exhibition about uh, public schools in Hapnefjörður for 140 years. This is cool. You've got a whole like school set up here. Are people allowed to go sit in those in those tables? Yes, they are. Oh, that's fun. And all kinds of museums, um, or sorry, all kinds of uh, objects, and it's very tactile. So what is un- what is interesting about schools and public schools in Hapnefjörður? This is a, a, actually... A, Quite good story. It's it's uh, 140 years. It was uh, the priest that gave uh, a house and uh, quite a lot of money with it to uh, start school in in Abnevir. And here we are uh, telling people that story. This this first public school in in, in the town. Um, this building is seems very old. Is that accurate? It's from 1886. This this house here. It's beautiful. It's got like the timber roof and everything. This museum here is uh, uh, from from the Havnafjörður city that, that owns this house and have put up a museum in it. And here we are in, uh, this is the main exhibition in this house. It's an uh, exhibition called Havnafjörður from settlement to, to the day to day. We start here by telling about the Vikings when they came and we go through the history of the town until uh, in, in 2017. So very recent. Is it? Do you update it every year? Yes, we, we try to do that at some part. And what is significant about Hapnefjörður's history besides just being interesting for those who live here? This is... Uh, Hapnefjörður was the main harbor for Iceland for centuries. So this was... Uh, it's a very old town in, in Iceland. Here we can see uh, the land that Hamnafir was was in, in when it was established, mm-hmm. and it was uh, actually a four farms that came together. The harbor was from uh, has been here for for centuries, so this has always been uh, very much uh, the fishery. Uh, it's 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 a fishing town. It's yes, it's been a fishing town for for centuries, and and here you can see uh, old. Old photographs of, of the town. It's it's a photograph from 1890, and actually there's just five houses that still stands that are on the photograph, and one of them is is the museum itself. Wow! It, when I walk around, it feels like there are a lot of old houses in the town, but I guess not as many from the the 19th century as, as you would think. <laughs> no, the, the main uh, main part of the old town is built up around 1900. This old fishing boats for here. This is a typical fishing boat for for uh, for Iceland in in late 1800, early 1900. Two men men's fishing boat, and behind it stands the fisherman. What what's he wearing there? This is a, a, a typical clothes that the fisherman was dressed in at, at this time, made of of uh, skin. From, from sheeps. 
So what was the fishing industry like in Iceland? I'm looking at the boat, and so I can see the, the video of the men rowing out. Um, was there large ships, small individuals going out, or was there kind of corporations that yet at that time? In the early time, there was this little boat, individuals, and and and. Uh, but in in early 1900, they come the the bigger boats and and first the sailboats and then the trawlers. Most of them was owned by foreigners though. So it was mostly Icelanders before then, and when the bigger companies came, it was foreigners run. Yes. Yeah. So we keep on talking about this fish. This yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the main thing. Uh, this is from uh, here. We have a, a big photograph from the city center and um, uh, where they are sun-drying saltfish. This is in, actually in the city center. Can you talk about the importance of drying and salting fish in Icelandic and, and, and Hapnafjallar history? It was very important because uh, our uh, economy uh, was all in fish at, at this time. Hapnafjallar uh, became town because of the harbor, uh, because of the fish and mainly because of the saltfish. What, what is this here? <laughs> <laughs> the, first, uh, the first electricity in Iceland was in Hapnavirus. Uh, they, they built up a, a little dam mm, yeah. Yeah, uh, in, in, in Hapnavirus, and they bought this unit to, to uh, first just for one factory, but then they made electricity for 16 houses in the town and four uh, light bulbs outside. So this is uh, part of that story where they, the first electricity in Iceland. <laughs> Ooh, and when was that? In 1904. It, it was uh, very popular to go to Hapnafjörður to see the movies. Even even from Reykjavik? Yes, fr yes from Reykjavik. It was... Uh, in 1940, 1950, 1960, uh, then the biggest, uh, one of the biggest movie theaters was in Hapnavjörður, and we had two of them, even though it was a, a very small town. Were Icelanders making a lot of their own movies then, or importing films? It was uh, mostly imported. From, I would assume, from Denmark or England, maybe? Yes, from from uh, from Denmark and Sweden, but also from from uh, Australia and, and United States. Interesting that Hapnafjallar would become the the movie town rather than, and I guess Reykjavik at that time is still kind of, it's not it doesn't rise up until the thirties, right? Am I right? Yeah, but but uh, of course there was movie theaters in in Reykjavik also, but uh, this was the popular one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess wherever the trends say to go, that's where you got to go. And this looks like an exhibit on World War Two. Yes, <laughs> yes, this is World War Two. This is uh, Iceland was uh, taken by the British Army in, in the early World War Two. This here we try to show how the soldiers lived in Iceland and what they were doing. This is a wonderful setup. It's really beautifully done. We've got a film showing on to the clothes, hanging over the, the men in their barracks, and the um, song books out for entertainment. Are, yeah, it's really neat. Are we, are we walking through history? We're going from oldest to newest in, in history? In, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. But we also uh, shifted down in, in themes. Yeah. So, so uh, not quite time, but uh, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> 
a little room on the on the church here. Tell me about the the church in Hapnefjelde. <laughs> yeah, uh, for a very long time we had no church inside the town. There was a church just outside the town. But in, in 1913, they built the first church in, inside Hapnefjelde, Frikirken. Even even after you said how long, hundreds of years that people had been living in this area and they didn't have a church. No, the church was just outside the town. But uh, in, in 1913, they built the first church in, inside the town. That was probably a, a big deal. Was that funded by the town? And yeah, for part of it, part of it. And then private donors probably for the rest. <laughs> oh, there's a third level. Look at that. Lots of good creeks in the house. <laughs> Here on the third floor, we have this exhibition of toys and and. It's it's specially made for children, but it's also popular for adults <laughs> because here you can find something that you remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many years does the, do these toys span? Uh, well, uh, I believe the oldest is from uh, around 1900, and and the newest is is not old old enough. And I you switch the toys out regularly so children come back and see new things, right? You know, it's yeah. a permanent exhibit? <laughs> yes, we have a very large collection. So we're always taking out and putting in some, some new things to see. And are there things they can actually like touch and play with in here? Um, not play with, but touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine distinction. I like that this is up in the attic. It kind of feels like a playhouse style. You, know, you go up and that's where all the fun stuff is. And you know, discover in grandma's attic or something. <laughs> yes, it is. It, Toys it, of the past. Yeah. It's it's uh, very popular, this, this part of the uh, the museum. And quite many children that come here with the schools or, or, or kindergarten, they come here also with the, with the parents to show them what they have seen. So, so this is... Uh, for the children, very, very popular. How would you kind of describe the museum's role in the community? Um, how do you fit into people's lives here? Well, we are uh, we are trying to uh, uh, show the history of the town and of the region from many points of view. We have from the workers, from the priests, from the soldiers, from the fishermen, and from the politics, and so on. So we are, we are uh, trying to make everyone find the roots that have roots in Hapnevjelde. You can come here and 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 see it, but it's also for for uh, tourists and and foreigners. It's it's very broad perspective of the history of this part of the country. Do you have a lot of tourists here? Um, what's what's kind of the percentage rate, locals and tourists, you know? Uh, it's about 50-50. It's about 50-50, but uh, when you count all the school children and school groups, then they are uh, not 50-50 anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, then then the, the, the tourist is about 20-25%. Do you think locals have a good awareness of the museum and what it offers and um, a value for it? Yes, I believe so. We, we decided a few years ago to have a free entrance to the museum. And that gave the uh, community in, in Hapnefjord uh, 
new perspective of the museum. This this was something that we own together. This is something that we built. Most of the things we are showing here is 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 uh, things that people in Hapnafjord has given us to have in the museum. So yes, it, I believe so. How do you see the museum growing in the next 10 years as Iceland's population grows and more people move out to Hapnafjord from Reykjavik and more foreigners move here? This is a difficult question. <laughs> uh, in last 10 years, this museum has uh, grown very rapidly, perhaps a little bit too rapidly. So now we have uh, have to find our, our place in the, in the community, and and we are trying to uh, try to be stronger for the community here, not for the tourists, or, or, or but to be a part of this community that the museum is in and which own this museum. I'm really interested in this as I've been talking to more and more Icelandic museum professionals about this kind of balance between tourists and locals and finding a way to be an important part of their community. How do you keep the museum fresh so that people want to come back over and over, even if they've already been through? Well, it's uh, mainly two things that we do. We always, each year, puts up a new exhibition in this in this hall here uh, at the Pakus. There's always something new here, and also on the children's exhibitions upstairs, we try to have always something new there. We have uh, photo exhibitions uh, that we make always one big new every year. Uh, that's how we are trying to let the people in Hapnafjörður know that you can always come back. There's always something new to see. And when we take down uh, exhibitions here, part of it will go into the larger exhibition so so it will live a, a little bit longer and and the big exhibition about Hapnafjörður history is always changing a little bit because of that I thought that's nice that the, the temporary exhibitions inform the permanent ones and I guess then the permanent exhibition gets an update regularly it never gets old or stale you can always find a little information you didn't know before do you think people in Hapnafjörður have a good understanding of their own history here and of the history of their country Yes, I believe so. I believe so. They, they, this is something that, that matters for people in, in Abnefer, this, this great history of, of this old town. This is, yeah, I believe m- most of them know something about it. <laughs> do you think that has to do with the children? You know, I'm assuming most school kids are going to come through this building at some point. Yeah, partly. Yeah, partly. We had a, a survey for uh, one year ago, and we uh, asked, uh, this question did you learn something new and everybody answered it in the same way they did learn something new and if we get all the school children in in the town to learn something new about the history of the town then at the end they will know something about it yeah Uh, one way or another what are the challenges in in running this museum right now well it's always money (laughs) (laughs) we we uh it's, uh, perhaps this this uh, dance between the tourists and the locals. When we are showing the history of this town, that is interesting both for people that live here and have lived here all their life, and also some tourists that have never heard of this town before. So it's it's uh, that's sometimes quite difficult. But uh, we try to this short term exhibitions. They are more for the locals. So they take some small part out of the history and 
blew it up as a as a as a great thing. I was talking to Gudbrandur uh, at the uh, Reykjavik City Museum uh, the other day, and he he said something about how tourists want tourists want something the locals would find interesting for themselves, even if they can't really tell the difference. They they want to feel that they are experiencing something authentic, something that the locals would also enjoy. Do you find that to be true as you're struggling with this tension between the two? Yes, and 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 yes, it is. But but it's it's they're not always looking for the same thing. But there are so many things that people to do can do in the free time. So so we're not just uh, it's not just enough to have a great museum. It uh, has to do something that pulls you from the computer, from the, from everything else, to come here, to see it. I'm always telling people that your biggest competition is the couch. It's not the other museum, it's the no. couch. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this adventure as I explore Iceland's many museums and get to know the fascinating people who run them. Music in this episode is by Funi, a folk duo playing traditional Icelandic music. You can see photos of Hapnifur and the museum and find more of Funi's music on my website, hethman.com. That's H-H-E-T-H-M-O-N.com. If you enjoyed Museums in Strange Places, please take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes or send me a tweet at Hannah underscore R-F-H. Reviews and social media shares help people with great taste like you discover the Museums in Strange Places podcast. When you travel into Iceland, you should take a half a day, one day, to go to Hafnafjörður. It's, it's many things to see here, and, and we have a great museums, and there's free entrance to all the museums. It only takes 20 minutes by the bus. I am ashamed to say that I lived here for two years, and this is the first, last week was the first time I came to Hafnafjörður, and I was like, this is so cute.